Uh, it would seem to me that once we went into space and saw the Earth from a distance, we would recognize that none of it is just mine. Mm. Uh, that we are on this tiny little ball of uh, clay that is uh, rotating around in this infinite space. Hello everyone and welcome to the Christ United Methodist Arise podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I am joined by... My name is Pastor Elizabeth McCauley. I'm lead pastor here at Christ Church and... Eileen Williams, one of the members of Christ United Methodist Church. Cooper Wigan, married to Elizabeth McCauley, lead pastor, and also connected with the Hopeful Earth Ministries of this church. And Cooper, I think there's a reverend in front of your name, is there? I'm a retired United Methodist minister. I think you're never Mm -hmm. retired fully. Uh, And this would be a case in point, would it not? Uh, Today we're talking about our Hopeful Earth Ministry here at the church. And I wanted to begin, as we sometimes do, with a bit of lyrical grounding. This is from the United Nations Environmental Sabbath Program. And it speaks this. We who have lost our sense and our senses, our touch, our smell, our vision of who we are, we who frantically force and press all things without rest for body or spirit, hurting our earth and injuring ourselves, we call a halt. We want to rest. We need to rest and allow the earth to rest. We need to reflect and to rediscover the mystery that lives in us, that is in the ground of every unique expression of life, the source of the fascination that calls all things to communion. We declare a Sabbath, a space of quiet, for simply being and letting be, for recovering the great forgotten truths, for learning how to live again. And again, that's from the United Nations Environmental Sabbath Program. It seems to me that uh, one of the most powerful witnesses we have here at church going on is around uh, how it is the earth cries out for the people of God to stop and to be mindful. So are you willing, Eileen or Cooper, whomever would like to speak a bit, Uh, Tell us about what's happening with Hopeful Earth uh, here at the church. What are some of the things that you have been doing and seek to be part of uh, creating? Eileen, I'll jump on this briefly and then pass the torch to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, We, as as a leadership team in Green Ministries, are actively encouraging the entire congregation to show up at the city council, Rochester City Council meeting this coming week and advocate for uh, a policy shift uh, with regard to energy in the greater Rochester area. We want there to be 100% renewable uh, energy processes and we think we can get there with technology and it's affordable. So advocacy right now is really big for us. And what are good Christians doing out at city council meetings when you could be praying somewhere in a quiet room? 
What is that all about? Well, it's a way of bringing the quiet room prayer into a noisy room and let people know what we're praying for, and that's a, a sustainable planet. And uh, a caveat to that is uh, it, among the coalescing people, many different denominations and uh, other environmental groups and just concerned citizens are a part of this movement. And uh, what we want is Rochester to be a leader uh, throughout the United States and the world in making this, this somewhat bold action, but it's doable. And for us, it is a matter of faith. It's a matter of stewardship for the earth and, and uh, profound respect and even reverence for the earth. And isn't it true that uh, it would be rather uh, difficult to understand a community uh, that's so focused on health and um, the medical center to be not pursuing ways to make it healthier? Uh, it seems to me that uh, there are many people who attend these meetings with a variety of uh, motives, maybe. But I think one thing that unites us is that we are wanting to end the exploitation of nature. Mm -hmm. uh, instead, we are saying we should be investing care. Uh, and, and this is one way to become a 100% renewable energy city. And uh, it was exciting to sit in the uh, Rochester Public Utilities meeting and watch that group uh, adopt uh, a vision and a uh, goal to become that in uh, 2039. Uh, and this next meeting is to uh, hope that we'll go the next step with the city council. Fabulous. I think it's an important uh, issue that you raise, uh, we sit in the city of Rochester blessed by the power of the Mayo uh, medical community which is dedicated to healing uh, and uh, so often we silo our sense of what that means uh, and what I hear you saying is that a, that a core uh, component of any sort of health is the health of the living organism which is creation. Yes and uh, having um, been in a family where my husband was a, a pulmonologist at the clinic, um, I have heard over many, many years the uh, issues of chest diseases caused by uh, use of pesticides, uh, by the uh, asbestos, by uh, all kinds of uh, pollutants that we have put into uh, our Earth's soil and water and air. and. Uh, just recognizing the consequences of that, even for a small population, uh, makes us uh, have to stop to think of what we have been doing and what we could change and do. Mm -hmm. uh, a theologian, Sally McFagg, talks about the earth as God's body, mm -hmm. uh, and scripture certainly is full of analogies around how it is we're all connected one with the other. And I think uh, this, this whole uh, reminder that the body of the earth sustains every single human body that lives upon it. Mm -hmm. uh, and we best pay attention uh, to what we're doing to the body of the earth. Uh, I loved the power of the phrase that you used, which was, uh, we have to deal with the way that the earth has been exploited. Mm -hmm. uh, Cooper, do you want to talk about how it is 
this uh, issue of exploiting the earth and uh, appropriating natural resources or not caring for the earth fully, how is that a justice issue? How do you perceive that? Because when I hear exploitation, I hear that someone with perhaps an inordinate amount of power is exercising that at the detriment of those who don't have as much power. Can you speak to that, Coop? Uh, despoilation of the earth uh, almost always involves extraction from the earth, um, usually in some stark industrialized ways. Um, the processes of extracting what becomes wealth uh, is disproportionately uh, to those who own and develop property, and oftentimes at the expense of the people who are working in that industry. Um, health becomes issue, and uh, consistency of employment. Um, in many cases, uh, whole populations eventually have to leave their homeland because of the extraction that's happening. That's some of what comes to mind with regard to social justice. Um, uh, another piece to that is that people leave from their own self-sustaining farming practices and are forced to cities uh, and oftentimes lives of poverty. I think that the uh, thing that I keep trying to uh, work on in my thinking and ways to express it is that we are really trying to move from a paradigm that one can own a resource, ah. yes. uh, that this is my coal field or this is my farm or this is my uh, uh, oil, and uh, you've got to give me just or even more than just compensation for use of it. Uh, it would seem to me that once we went into space and saw the Earth from a distance, we would recognize that none of it is just mine, mm. uh, that we are on this tiny little ball of uh, clay that is uh, rotating around in this infinite space. And uh, it the caring uh, concept really comes out of that perspective that only as we are sharing and working together in, in um, a unified way is there going to be a possibility that we all can have some, some degree of health and, and wonderful life. Um, I uh, have dear friends who live in Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe, and right now they are dealing with a terrible water shortage. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that mean in terms of everyone who is dealing with water issues? It means it's a common issue. Yes. And uh, why aren't we more concerned about it? Yes. And why are we uh, uh, letting corporations use water and pollute it and bottle it and do things that impact the whole of the earth and that's a that's a question for anyone no matter what faith they are in to recognize that if they believe in a higher 
uh, creative power that uh, they're responsible for that. Absolutely, that we're put on this earth as stewards uh, and we're in, in deep community one with the other. And so what happens in Zimbabwe uh, or what happens uh, in the Boundary Waters Canoe area, uh, that whole issue with the uh, mining permits that may or may not be granted has me uh, close to tormented uh, mm -hmm. that that incredible resource, irreplaceable, would be, uh, would be under siege by people who want to uh, exploit a resource uh, with little regard for the future. So it's, I hear you there, it's true. And uh, that it's not just people in Zimbabwe, it's, uh, I, I think we have such a, a bad tendency sometimes to read newspaper articles and not realize that these people have children and lives and hearts and bodies and these aren't just some disembodied sort of issue. These are these are these are our our kin, uh, and as such, they're ours to care for. I might tell a story that when I was in my uh, elementary school days, back in the 1940s. God love you. <laughs> um, I was in a, a Girl Scout troop. This was in Nebraska. And uh, I can't remember the circumstances, but anyway, the troop brought, uh, the Girl Scout organization brought this woman up from Texas who was very active in Scouts, and she was giving some leadership to these troops around the state. And we did a hike together, and I still remember her admonition and her um, mini-sermon about the sacredness of water. Mm because she came from an area of Texas that was very, very dry, and she saw what was happening in Nebraska at the time in terms of the rivers and the streams and the so forth and not caring for them. Well now, as you can measure, uh, that's more than a half century ago, and we're still having that discussion. It's, it's very, very difficult to understand why we, it takes so long for us to understand what it takes to be stewards, as you call, uh, or uh, people of responsibility uh, and with our natural resources. What is the hang-up? Why, why is that so hard? I think, it's, I think it's like when we take something and throw it just on the ground, well, that's just one piece, mm. or that's just, that doesn't matter, mm -hmm. uh, but it's the collectiveness of it. Mm -hmm. that really harms uh, nature. I think one of the phrases used for that process of, of uh, diminishing the importance of one's particular local act uh, is moral um, blindness mm. or color blind, moral color blindness because the scale is so small but multiplied out throughout the whole globe and well we see the, um, the ruining of environments. Uh, so we need to collectivize our concern, our moral concern, and organize. And this is what we're trying to do here to send people to the Rochester City Council, is, is to work together as a growing uh, community of concerned people. Whether we are Christian or some other faith affiliation, 
or have no particular uh, place, religious place uh, in this world, we're all, by virtue of the fact that we recognize ourselves as citizens of planet Earth, who together share uh, an awesome responsibility to slow down and then even turn around uh, the, the heating of this planet and the devastations, natural disasters that are uh, sown through the warming of the climate. This brings me to a, a little story, Eileen, that has to do with football. Oh, boy. You'll so often see <laughs> when you're watching a football game, uh, especially in the end zone, a poster somebody has up uh, that will say John 316. Mm. And that's one of the key environmental stewardship, one of the key spiritual uh, core convictions for Christians, and that is one of John Wesley's, uh, the father of United Methodism, one of his favorite verses, and that is, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, uh, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world, and who is the world? Uh, the world is God's creation that at the center of which is the natural world and natural worlds. Uh, it is out of love that we are fundamentally moved, called, encouraged, invited, challenged uh, to be active stewards for that world. It is out of love. And Jesus personifies that, uh, the one uh, who guides us and would save us, uh, motivate us to uh, a very active reverential life with regard to the natural world. One of the things I love about being a United Methodist is the the concept that, that there are these four components of uh, how to actively live our faith. Uh, there are acts of piety, which is our own personal spiritual practices, acts of worship, which call us to corporate, uh, to communal ways of praising God and naming lament and those sorts of things together. There are acts of mercy, which is things like feeding the hungry and clothing people and uh, doing a, a litter pickup, for example, or uh, things like that for the environment. And the fourth one I love, which is acts of justice. So as a people of faith, we are called not only to respond to the despot the despoiling that's happening, uh, but we're also called to change the systems that allow it to happen. So by going to the, to the city council meeting, by witnessing across the state for uh, the importance of climate awareness and uh, our ownership of our own use of the earth and the resources of the earth, uh, we are called to be aware of how it is we are called to change the systems that are creating uh, an undue burden on especially the poor are those who are living most powerfully with the effects of climate change. Uh, and, uh, and I love that about the United Methodist tradition. Uh, we have a set of social principles uh, that uh, I asked Eileen if she'd read because I think it's a strong statement that this is core to who we are as followers of Jesus in the way of uh, the Methodist way. 
Will you read that one, Eileen? Thank you. Uh, this is uh, the United Methodist uh, Social Principles on the Natural World. It's part of a number of uh, statements around issues that we are dealing with, uh, but this one is on the natural world. All creation is the Lord's, and we are responsible for the ways in which we use and abuse it. Water, air, soil, minerals, energy resources, plants, animal life, and space are to be valued and conserved because they are God's creation, and not solely because they are useful to human beings. God has granted us stewardship of creation. We should meet these stewardship duties through acts of loving care and respect. Economic, political, social, and technological developments have increased our human numbers and lengthened and enriched our lives. However, these developments have led to regional defoliation, dramatic extinction of species, massive human suffering, overpopulation and misuse and overconsumption of natural and non-renewable resources, particularly by industrialized societies. This continued course of action jeopardizes the natural heritage that God has entrusted to all generations. Therefore, let us recognize the responsibility of the church and its members to place a high priority on changes in economic, political, social, and technological lifestyles to support a more ecologically equitable and sustainable world leading to a higher quality of life for all of God's creation. And that's just a portion of what the United Methodist Church has to say about this core commitment. Absolutely. Are you willing to talk about some of the initiatives that we have been working on here at Christ United Methodist Church? Oh, yes. I thought you might. Well, we were delighted by the initiative of so many of our folks, uh, the encouragement that comes from uh, some very practical uh, changes in our facilities, for example. You want to say a little bit about that? The LEDs and, and, and such? We uh, have had persons among us, especially on the uh, Hopeful Earth Group, who have constantly raised issues about our facilities that if we are going to make these statements, we need to walk the talk. And uh, so out of that, we have uh, recently, within the last uh, two years, um, put in almost uh, all lights as LED lights. And, um, of course, it's not only saving uh, energy, it is also a prudent uh, budgetary yes. uh, step, which we would like to uh, emphasize for others who might be listening. And then we have, of course, the uh, beautiful fact that our windows, which were placed in this building when it was built in the 1950s and were a constant source of leakage by this time, have all been replaced. We have new uh, HVAC uh, system, and we have done a lot in uh, which we have been talking and need to do more in the whole question of recycling. Uh, we've made a um, video of these 
uh, elements, calling it uh, Is Christ United Methodist Church Going Green? And the hopeful Earth is uh, sponsoring a way to ask that question and say, uh, you know, let's do it here in our building, but what are you doing beyond in your life and in your community and in your home? So those are some of our major efforts. I'm delighted by the church gardens. It's growing ministry, really, uh, with uh, at its very center, uh, speaking of the facilities, is a lovely labyrinth. And so with uh, a, a prayer place, we are prayerfully planting a lovely garden, which includes, by our green team design, uh, pollinator plants so that we can be encouraging the, the pollinators so, so necessary to life and living in an endangered situation. And so by combining uh, the loveliness uh, with the usefulness in our gardening, uh, we're creating quite a witness. Uh, another piece that our church um, is I hope duly proud of, and that is increasingly in our worship life, in all our worship services, uh, we are referencing uh, God's creation as sacred and our stewardship relationship sacred. Uh, worship uh, preaching, uh, phenomenally good preaching by my <laughs> wife, uh, in, is including uh, creation care in a variety of ways, part of our prayer life and uh, our educational life. Uh, and we're pleased by the response. More and more, we are, we, Christ United Methodist Church, and we in many uh, faith communities are understanding uh, that creation, or some would say earth, is at the center of our religious life. Uh, it, it's a calling increasingly here at Christ United Methodist, a calling from God for each of us and organizing together, uh, make stewardship uh, core in our life together. We instituted a no pesticide policy and uh, we have banished plastic silverware and uh, we now use much more satisfying ceramic mugs. Uh, so the styrofoam <laughs> is gone from this place. Uh, you know, the little things uh, that are big things mm -hmm. that add up. And again, I think it's conscientizing. Is that the right way to say that word? It's a way of uh, just helping ourselves remember that uh, we are so blessed to live on this globe and uh, that we are connected one with the other. What I am so grateful for is the, the spiritual grounding for this work. Uh, and I wonder if, if you're willing, Eileen, to, to name how it is that you came to see that your faith walk, which has been remarkable, we could do a whole podcast on that because I'm one of your biggest fans uh, among many. She's shaking her head, but it <laughs> doesn't make it any less true. Um, but what is it about your faith life, Eileen, that has brought you to being a committed member of this green team? Well, I think that uh, there are several strands that come together. Um, 
I think the major one is that um, when you try and follow Christ uh, and learn of the teachings of Christ, he was living in a time of tremendous uh, power of um, Rome where uh, there was great exploitation and how often in his ministry he would call attention to the earth and mm. to the beauty and to be like the the lilies of the field mm. and so forth. You, you can't, if you really think about it, you can't uh, uh, escape the remarkability of how he constantly tried to turn people's understanding that they would under, they would gain wisdom uh, and understand God more clearly if they were more related to the earth. Um, the other major thing is I think as we grow in our faith, um, there comes a point when we are really willing to say all of life is a gift. Hmm. And um, everything that we have is gifted to us. And um, then the next step, of course, is to say, this isn't only to me. Right. Uh, I want this for others to have the same kind of blessedness. Um, and then, of course, there are all kinds of uh, organizations today and avenues uh, that one can put uh, efforts in and support that are working in these areas. It's not a lonely uh, mm. uh, journey if you're willing to become, uh, you know, there's the Sierra Club, there's uh, Corporate Accountability, there's uh, Nature Conservancy, I could name probably mm -hmm. 30, mm -hmm. uh, that uh, people are working in and they are supporting because they, they know this is such a major, major thing in our particular time. Uh, and uh, want to have their faith speak to the uh, creation of God. Absolutely. And Cooper Wiggin, you've been an admirer of Jesus for a number of decades. What is it about his teachings, his heart, uh, that you feel calls you to be so passionate about this issue? Dr. Howard Thurman after visiting the great Mahatma Gandhi and discussing uh, nonviolence as the way uh, for achieving justice in this world, um, reflected in his writing, Howard Thurman did, that his is not to follow uh, the religion about Jesus, but is all out devoted to the religion of Jesus, mm. which is what Gandhi referenced in their conversation. So what is that religion of Jesus? It's fascinated me and um, moved me and challenged me and at times delivered me throughout my life, beginning when I was really young. This, this savior figure who was so at home with uh, folk stories, nature-based, about how the Holy Spirit, through the natural processes and uh, centered in faith, would bring transformation, uh, simple 
and wonderful transformation into our lives that we become stronger and happier and uh, a people who are more and more capable of loving, loving others, loving ourselves, loving the world. Uh, so that's some of what, what I reflect on. Uh, the way of Jesus is to cherish life and to seek healing and reconciliation, not uh, to seek domination. And so I find that a very natural connection into environmental stewardship. For one thing, uh, the way of Jesus, as I understand it, uh, inspires us to go past uh, partisan differences and to build communities of people of different faith and different orientation. Um, that, that to me is just authentically inspiring, that there's a vision that calls us forward that our earth badly needs uh, and all of us to pitch in together. And that's one of the reasons I'm excited for the training events this fall. I was going to ask you to speak to that. The United Methodist Earth Keepers formed in 2016. Is this a statewide organization? It's a nationwide, actually okay. international. Thank you. And in Minnesota, we've organized uh, to do the earth keeping training and commissioning. Earth keepers are people who have undergone training and uh, form parts of uh, fellowship and, and build community throughout the state among United Methodists and others uh, to do concrete, practical witnessing for uh, creation care. Um, the expansion recently of the Earth Keepers vision is to include communities of, of faith, other communities of faith. Uh, so we're real excited to include a broad audience this fall hosting an Earth Keepers training October 20th and November 3rd. And this is strong on learning better ways, uh, more effective ways of organizing policy holders and policies. Uh, so community organizing is a big piece of it. Uh, another big piece of this is to encourage one another in our very personal uh, prayer practices that undergird sometimes it's, uh, it's through prayer that we're able to survive some of the devastation uh, that we experience increasingly, speaking of natural devastation. Uh, so together, encouraging one another to go deep in prayer as well as go out in organizing uh, our objectives to this training. So where's that training being held? Christ United Methodist Church in Rochester, Minnesota. Well, well, the, this very church in which we sit. That's right. Uh, so we're hoping to get a whole slew of people who are committed to learning uh, how to organize and impact systems that are exploiting the earth uh, and be part of a movement for healing. Yes, would yes. that be accurate? That would be very accurate. Good, I like to be accurate on occasion. Even me. Even me. Uh, this calls to mind, uh, this last week we had an all-church campout, uh, which was part of a grant I received through the Lilly Foundation. Thank you, Lilly. Uh, around Sabbath, which is resting, as God did after creation was uh, created, and naming things as good and realizing that God is God and we are not. Uh, and we need to spend time 
giving our hearts over to surrender and awe. Uh, so we went to uh, a state park, Afton State Park, and there were some 30 of us who lived in tents. Cooper and I actually have our new camper, so that felt a little swankity swank, but we did it anyway. <laughs> it was our first time. Don't tell anybody. I know. I just, yeah, I know. <laughs> Shh, don't tell. Everybody else slept in tents, mind you, but not the lead pastor and, and Cooper. Uh, anyway, so it is. Uh, place has its privilege, maybe. No, really. But what actually, so everybody had tents. We spent the time uh, cooking together and singing and cooking over the campfire, and it was glorious. And that will be a yearly event. Uh, that This is the first annual. Uh, we also take the youth into the Boundary Waters, uh, have made a practice of doing that, didn't this year because of this other thing, but uh, that too will get reinstated. We try to get uh, kids out for camp and outside uh, as much as possible because uh, this sense that we can be somehow hermetically sealed away from creation is just utter nonsense. Uh, so as a church, what we're trying to do is remind ourselves that we are earth creatures uh, created out of the soil and God has blown breath into us and we need to be grounded in our creatureness, seems to me. Uh, so there's so much that the church is doing, can do, uh, and I'm grateful that we're part of doing that. But how could people get involved uh, with the green ministry here at Christ Church? We would love for people to contact us and indicate interest in being a part of the growing green ministry. We call it Hopeful Earth um, in honor of our pledge to be a people seeking uh, healing and sustainability, bringing hope into uh, and through our actions into our lives. Um, we are very soberly aware of just how devastating um, the natural processes are, are, are coming. Um, the endangered habitat in so many places uh, are becoming almost normalized. And so we need to stand on, on a position of believing we can make a difference, even a crucial difference, by uh, our practices and our prayers and our coalescing with others. Uh, so here at the church office, or to feel free to contact Eileen or me or Tom Williamson. Uh, we'd love for you to be a part of our our team, we meet the second Sunday of most months uh, at 10.15. Eileen, you want to say anything more about how people might connect with us? Well, I know that people uh, sometimes don't want to join another organization, but uh, I wish the, there would be the thinking of, I have these ideas or, or these uh, areas that really... I want to work in and I want to share them with others and let them know about what's available. We have one member on our team who is so committed to uh, the uh, work with pollinators and butterflies. I've learned so much about butterflies since she's been on the team with us. And that sharing of ideas and ways to do things is is part of the community growth in, in being responsible. So I would invite people who have 
maybe just one area that they really want to um, express, but let us know and become part of our group. Wonderful. Um, so you're hearing, please uh, lend your ideas and your presence and your prayers uh, to this work that's being done, also to an ongoing awareness of how it is we are intricately connected. Uh, and really, uh, I want to end by sharing a quote. Uh, Toni Morrison, the amazing author, uh, has died this past week, and she spoke so eloquently as a woman, as a woman of color, about how it is uh, power used to suppress justice, power used to silence voices, power used to exploit uh, for the, for the well-being of some at the expense of so many. Uh, it's, uh, she wrote so powerfully about such things. And uh, this is a quote that's on the front cover of our bulletin for this Sunday because it's a good reminder. And this abuse of power certainly is what's desecrating the earth. She says this, oppressive language does more than represent violence. It is violence. It must be rejected, altered, and exposed. Sexist language, racist language, theistic language, all are typical of the policing languages of mastery and cannot, do not permit new knowledge or encourage the mutual exchange of ideas. So what I'm hearing is you're advocating for a world in which we are not so much interested in mastery, but more in reverence, in awe, in awareness of how it is we are so interconnected one with the other, and how it is we are careful with our language, our actions, our intentions, our words, in order that God's body, the world, might be here for our grandchildren to savor and uh, give thanks for. Anything else you want to say on this day? Amen. Oh, really? I like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Oliver? Thanks for hanging out with us.